The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started, before we get started this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. First, rotoballer.com, proud sponsor of the show. Great products over there, premium products, premium tools, premium Slack chat, articles, a lot of free articles as well. A lot of great stuff over there. You know, I write a lot of DFS content at rotoballer.com for baseball and football. We have a lot of season-long content for baseball coming up even as the season winds on down. So go over to rotoballer.com, join the premium package, use promo code Bubba for 10% off the package of your choice. Also, if you are into fantasy sports, which you obviously are for listening to the show, and you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports, and you live for the short-term gratification at DFS, then you have to try it out. You have to try out Owner's Box, everybody. It's a weekly fantasy sports game on Owner's Box. WFS, not DFS, WFS, weekly fantasy sports. Head on over to rollerballer.com backslash box and sign up today. Weekly fantasy sports is the best of daily and season-long. It keeps you engaged throughout live drafting and new multi-week games. OwnerBox will be playing out users who bring their friends on board. Watch the real money rewards pile up through their first-ever three-tiered referral system. Add friends, create groups, and rank up to to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. So basically... You sign up. You come play at Owner's Box. Use rotoballer.com slash box to sign up. Then you bring your friends in, and you get a little kickback for that. You have your own leagues, weekly leagues, talk all the trash, have all the fun. Hey, but that's not it. In honor of the NFL season going forward, Owner's Box will be matching your first-time deposit up to $50 when you head on over to rollerballer.com backslash box and sign up today to claim your rewards and join the new wave of weekly fantasy sports at WFS. For all you lovers of fantasy sports, weekly fantasy sports, owner's box, rotoballer.com backslash box for a $50 deposit bonus. Now to this new episode of Benched with Bubba.
And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 314. We've got a recurring guest for the show here to talk some 2021 fantasy baseball, some two early mic drafts, and so, so much more. He gets to re- retell his story of why he's called Sleepy K. So much great stuff. You can find him on Twitter at Mike underscore Corlin. Mike, how we doing, man? Fantastic, dude. Just living the life. Just, just living the life. You sound a little down in the dumps right now. Are you, oh. are you okay? No, because <laughs> I, I look at the hair. See, it's like it's um, I, I put the hat on before the show, and I was like, no, they lost. They don't deserve the hat today, or losing, or I, I just stopped watching. It's the top of the eighth. Don't be wrong; it's baseball. Four runs isn't the end of the world, but the Marlins put up five, and if, if any day they put up five, and the pitching doesn't hold it down, I don't get my hopes up. Yeah, ask, so, Chris, yeah. ask Chris Woodward. The game's already over, so we're good. Yeah. <laughs> no. no, there's always hope. There's always hope. Cooper Aguilar, you never know. And it's only one game. You got six though tomorrow. So you're good. Yeah, but it's Alcantara, man. It's like one of our – like, don't get me wrong. The, the pitching is actually halfway deep with Alcantara. Uh, I'm thinking Pablo Sand- Sandoval. I'm thinking, Pablo yeah, I, think I thought of Pablo Sandoval for whatever reason. Maybe it's because uh, I'm, I'm here with you. But yeah, uh, I really hope we have six though, and it's like we have the pitching, so we have mm-hmm. like, and we have, if we can put up five runs, most days I would be like five runs is good for us. But the mm-hmm. Braves can smack. So yep. anyway, we're off on a, we're already off on a tangent. So there's going to be many of those today. So people that want a regimented uh, podcast, this might not be the one for you, but there'll be a lot of good information. So uh, I promise you that. Um, were you actually watching the game? Because I was just watching it on my app. So were you watching it live for a little bit, and then I. Because I have a question, because I was watching, and Alcantar was striking guys out, doing great. It seemed like when he had that bad inning and even some other moments in the game, he still had two strikes on everybody. Was he just getting unlucky, or what was going on with that? I honestly maybe should have paid closer attention. <laughs> because um, I think I, I was getting frustrated because it was like, I don't, you're right, it was just a bad inning, and maybe the nerves got the best of him. He just couldn't yeah. fall through, finish off. That's kind of what I was thinking. It is the playoffs, like it or not. I mean – the last series is the last series. I feel like players are starting to start to feel it more, especially a young team like the Marlins. Don't get me wrong, the Braves are young too. But it's just, I don't know. I think the moment got to him probably because he settled back down. He only gave, he had like the one rough inning, and that was it. He actually did yeah. well outside of that. So I'd expect – hope. and then tomorrow, like you said, six though, it's like it's a big moment. Is he up for it? Hey, he dealt He dealt last round. He looked great. So, I know. Know. You're getting my hopes up. Stop it. Because <laughs> I'm rooting for it. I'm I rooting for it. I, I, the, the, well, the bad thing is I like the Braves too. Mm-hmm. But I, I always liked the, like the underdog story. That's why I've been a Rays fan for so long because you can see it coming. Now the Marlins are like – they're like one or two more years to kind of be in that little Rays story. Like they're close. Like they I have so kind of blocks. So it's – you kind of I kind of want to start jumping in now and enjoying the ride before everybody else joins you. That kind of thing. So I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. <laughs> so, I'm hoping uh, it's the case, but we'll see. Yeah, because you're right. It has a very raised feel to it without being as good as the Rays. Exactly. It's tough to do what they've done for so long. It's very tough. But um, let's talk to two early mocks. And I talked a little bit with Toby on Sunday, and the beautiful thing about mocks, there's been more picks. There's more ADP out there. We actually have like a set in stone couple of fir- first few rounds now, which will be good to talk about instead of just kind of guessing at things, but um, which league are you in right now? Oh man, I always forget the number. Is it seven or eight? It's the one with um. I think we're one of the we were one of the fast like t- we took off real fast and then we slowed down. I want to say seven. I always mix us up because it's um. It happened to be me and Clegg in one league, and then my other two co-hosts in another league together. So we're, we're both in one of the two. I want to say seven though. I'm gonna. That's my final answer. Perfect. I'm in league. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm in league one, and we started out fast, and then. 
I didn't make a pick at all yesterday, so that was fun. That's but kind of I'm what just, we're getting to. Yeah, I, I'm at the second pick, so I'm on the turn. I get it. It's going to be some long days, but yeah, no picks on a Monday, so that was good. But uh, we're, we're we're getting some interesting kind of goes at it here. Uh, let's just kind of go over like the top so many picks or whatever. And we'll just kind of give our thoughts on it, if anything stands out or, or not, and then I'll just get your overall thoughts at the end. But you know, out, out the gate, it's a consensus six bats going before pitching. That's what we're seeing. Yeah, Betts, Acuna, Tatis, Trout's going fourth. He did not go first overall. So let's just stop there. Are you on the not? Are you on the not Trout first pick overall anymore, Train? Yeah, I actually am, and it blew my mind to say that and hurt my feelings. Like it really hurt. Like I've actually dropped my top twenty-five today, mm-hmm. and I realized I even put I put a little asterisk next to Trout, and this you is why two, you put two next to him. Well, yeah, I said little. <laughs> and the reason why is because the shallower the league, I think, really depends on his value. Like, will help his value or hurt his value. Because in a deeper, like this is a fifteen-team league that we're doing, mm-hmm. NFBC style leagues are fifteen teamers. My mindset has kind of traveled into that fifteen-team mindset now because that's a lot of what the leagues I do. So that's why when it comes to ranking players, I tell people I put them in tiers. I try to put them in tiers because depending on your league size will depend on their value. Like Albies, I, I'm really aggressive on Albies because positional. His positional um, is where, where, he's, where he's eligible for his position being second base. And his skill set, the, the, the pairing is very rare, because especially considering, again, going back to a 15-team league, second base with five category, maybe four and a half, because RBIs aren't really his thing, especially if that's the bottom lineup. But you're getting some bases, you're getting a little pop, you're getting some batting average. That skill set at that position makes him more valuable to me. And I've already valued him kind of high. So I'm really, really aggressive on all these. But in a 12-team league, you're shallower. Maybe that positional flexibility, uh, that positional eligibility, as a, isn't as important. Um, steals are easier to come by later, like in the second and third round, whereas in the first and second they're kind of dried up in the fifteen. So that goes back to Trout being top six or here four. I'm hard, it's like he keeps moving farther down my ranks in these deeper formats because the stolen bases are an uncertainty, which is weird to say because if you look at his metrics. The sprint speed's still 94th percentile. He's still running as fast. He barely – he did top fall a little bit, but how much of that little fall is it because he didn't attempt any? So it's kind of skewing the numbers a little bit. But we're talking a very, very – like his sprint speed, like feet per second were like in line with 2016 or 2017. So it was pretty much right when he was running. It was the same. But I don't know because the, the intent wasn't there this year. But then you have other teams that were out of it, like the Nationals, that Soto still ran plenty. And Soto doesn't even have that in a skill set. It's more of a, a skill – actually, I lied. It's more of a skill set thing than a, than a natural tools thing for Soto. Like, he's good at stone bases, but there's nothing there. He actually was slower this year. So it was really weird. Like, But, like, that's where I'm at. It's like either Soto and they go back-to-back, like you mentioned. But I still have trout above Soto. But I have Turner as high as second or third, I think, in my rankings. I'm glad so. you said that because I took Turner number two. Uh, I went with him there because a a couple of things. A, it's a mock draft, so I want to see what my team looks like with Turner because I've been preaching Turner needs to be a top three, four pick the last couple of years. I really believe he is a five tool player. I believe he has twenty plus home run power, and he showed this year he could be like a 25, 40 or fifty stolen base guy. Like if things all click, which is insane. It's absolutely nuts. Um, it stinks because I'm a big Acuna guy, so passing on Acuna was tough for me. But I think it was shortstop. It's like a discussion I've had lately. It's very, very deep. But it seems like even if you didn't get one of the top guys, you weren't as happy as, or your team wasn't as successful as it could have been. Like you still yeah. want to work with top guys, the Tatishes, the Turners, the Stories. One of those story had a monster season. He's still kind of going lower than I think people realize in these drafts. But I'm glad you had Turner too. That's really interesting. I'm kind of I'm out on the Trout class as well, just because. 
the steals are so big. You got Betts runs, Acuna runs, Soto runs now apparently, which is interesting, and Turner runs. Uh, Trout's gone as low as eight or nine in these mock drafts. Which is, there's nine total mock drafts going on. So do you have anything else on these first six hitters that kind of stands out to you? No, just that Turner's a little lower than I'd like. I don't know. I'm just like, like I value him similar, similarly to you. And there's an argument he could be first overall because mm-hmm. there is a floor there too. But I think Turner's injury history is enough. Like, And always little knick-knack things, a broken pinky or whatever it was, or Nick's finger when he tried to bunt, was it two years ago now? Two years wow, ago. really? <laughs> it all I'm meshes. Scared. It all meshes together. But my point is, is, is and then you obviously with speed series, you get that little knickknack, like soft tissue stuff. But I get it. I think we're kind of overlooking that because we know the ceilings there. But and there's still a little safer floor than most runners. But other than that, I mean, that's kind of the only thing is, I this is the first year I feel like wow, Mike Trout really isn't in a tier of his own. I think this is one big tier though. I do value. I, I you take you take any one of these six players, you aren't losing your league because of it. That's yeah. how I look at it. Hundred percent. Like, go get your guy. And you made a good point on the twelve team thing. Is I, I think a lot when I draft twelve team leagues because there's so much more replacement value. I could say mm-hmm. or, or depth, as you're saying. I go more of get what I want. I'm not worried about making sure I have you know, like you said, make sure you have steals or this kind of stuff. I'm not as focused on. So yeah, Trout does have more value there. Um, you don't really need to go as pitcher heavy if you want, or you can go super pitcher heavy and try to, to dominate it. There's lots of ways to go about it, but um, I, I'm with you there. When you go out of the top six, though, it gets interesting. Now you got Degrom; he's gone as high as one and as low as twelve. You got J. Ram Bieber, who there's been a lot of debates, but I think this kind of settled. He's kind of locked into that two-three story. And Cole, uh, Cole's gone a little higher; he's gone as high as four, as low as fifteen. That's so there's some interesting ranges there. So let's just stop there before we get to some names that are standing out quite a bit. But you, know, you got J. Ram and Story in the mixer. But the main part of the, the question here is: you got Degrom, Bieber, and Cole. Where do you stand on those three? Um, okay, so up until recently, I actually had DeGrom 1, Cole 2, Bieber 3. There, that is my top three. And that sh- honestly should be the consensus top three right now. Bieber did well enough, even though he had the easiest schedule of the three. He did well enough, and he dominated like he was supposed to, to a point where it's like, because, you know, people are like, well, he had an easy schedule. But he dominated beyond, like, what he was supposed to do against, like, so the fact that he dominated as much as he did against that easy schedule shows that it wasn't a fluke because I always look at it like, he did what he was supposed to do against teams that he, that he for whatever. I'm rambling. I, I think I'm repeating myself at this point. Anyway, my point is, though, is Bieber still only did for such a short period, although I like what I saw. I still think he's the third here. It's DeGrom and Cole where I'm going back to why I'm, like, so torn. I have to factor in wins. I think DeGrom's the better pitcher. Mm-hmm. But we have, another, we have another year of him getting older. We have that, another year of the, the Mets probably going to be the Mets, even though I do trust in – was it Co- Steve Cohen or whatever his name is? to uh, yeah, new owner. To, I do trust a new owner to try and make them more competitive. So hopefully he goes out and maybe buys a new bullpen. But even then, it takes time for a team to mesh and all that. And then you have Garrett Cole, who's on the Yankees, who has the best, like one of the best bullpens. And the winnability there, that's the thing you can't argue and then or ignore. And then you have, you know, you have to remember that division isn't the hardest either over there in terms of the offenses. So Cole might have became a number one because you have to chase wins. And I hate wins. I think they're a stupid category in real life. But for fantasy, that's one fit. That's 20% of your, again, five by five, it's 20% of what matters. And, Garrett Cole probably has the most winnability of all these, especially if the Indians go out and start selling pieces like Lindor, Brad Hand. Their bullpen's already kind of shaky. I mean, Krinchak is solid, but you just never know. I feel like the Indians are – and then their offense never really shows up like it's supposed to. So, I don't know. I'm kind of going Cole, DeGrom, Bieber personally. That's what I have. I had that going into this year. Uh, or I didn't have Bieber. I had Cole over DeGrom. I had Bieber like fifth or sixth. I'm good with Bieber being third. I had no problem with that at all, but it's Cole over DeGrom for me. 
You mentioned you hate wins and wins shouldn't be a stat. What would you replace them with? I, I would say quality start, but then you're right. Like that, even that's even like not happening. For those, are, those are getting crazier and crazier to find out too. I just I hate them as a stat to judge a player off of, but I understand the necessity for them. Does that make sense? Like I hate the stat. Yeah. I think it's a stupid stat because wins are a team thing. Um, I, believe, I, I believe it was MLB moving average. He's talked about it on many shows, but he was on my show. And he created like the different versions of quality starts. Yeah. And I think there's a good angle to use those over the current one. Now getting those to incorporate into all these leagues is going to be next one possible. But I think that's, I think that's an interesting way to go about it. We have to go like seven innings, give up, you know, three runs, six innings, give up two runs. Those kind of quality starts, I think are a little more justifiable to me. Yeah, and if you can go five innings of no run or one run ball, why is that not a quality start? So yeah, exactly. that now if there was a sliding scale quality start type of thing, that's pretty much what you would be creating slash inventing for fantasy, which would actually be welcomed in today sabermetrically, like so, like how we are so into those numbers. That I feel like that would be oh, most people would welcome that than wouldn't I believe, and if they wouldn't, I think they'd get used to it relatively quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it'd be like the universal TH. You get used to it. Yeah. Well, I like the Universal DH. I know, I know oh, a lot of people, I've embraced it. I know a lot of people don't or were apprehensive. I think it's good for baseball because other, other I know we won't get any Bartolo Cologne moment moments anymore, which those are fantastic. But I mean, all I think about is was it who was it that tore their uh, Achilles when they came out of the, uh, the batter's box a couple years ago? Well, I know Tanaka's injured himself. There's been a few others running the bases. It's been a disaster. Oh, yeah, uh, oh uh, so thank you because he's also yeah. the other, he's the same one who who hurt his shoulder when he dove back into the bag. Yep, and now he's it derailed his career. He was having the breakout, and then never has never been the same since that shoulder. So then, you, so then, you, so then you have the Hardo crowd, and that just tells you, well, pitchers must not be athletes. Then, oh I'm crap! <laughs> like I'm whoa, 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 wait a minute! I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kickers aren't athletes. I'm kidding. Yeah. Kickers actually, I mean, they, punters are people too. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the next couple guys that I kind of uh, I, I left them in their own little bracket here because there's good explanation that they're down here because obviously players that play well need to move up the uh, the draft board. But if you get Christian Yellick 12, Bellinger 13, Freeman 14, Lindor 15, and I'll throw Harper in there at 16. So I think Harper's going to kind of move up and down too. So you get Yellick, Bellinger, Freeman, Lindor, Harper at the back end of round one. Would you be happy with that leaving round one? Oh, of course. I mean, I want to – Take, I guess why going in the back the back end of the draft is actually preferable. And if this ADP is any indication, which it won't stick because we all know how pitching is going to get pushed up. But mm-hmm. if you can pick 11th on average and get a Garrett Cole or a Shane Bieber, because I think one of those three might fall there, you, you turn around and get one of those guys you just mentioned on the back end. Now you're starting off. Maybe not a uh, it's not 15-teamer, I forget. You won't. But in a 12-teamer, it's definitely preferable. In a 12-teamer, oh, give, yeah. give me that all day. But at 15, I like see. I don't. I'm not big on going pitching in the first two rounds. I'm one of those anti pocket aces. And honestly, who am I to argue with, with pocket aces? Because Toby's very successful doing it. Mm-hmm. But it's not my style, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because I have an affinity for hitters. Because we all know it's all I talk about. Like <laughs> I don't do pitching breakdowns anymore. It's, it's strictly hitting. But anyway, um, I, I would love this. I would love this. Give me two of those guys to start my draft any day of the week, and I feel like you have a huge upper hand on offense. Yeah, you know, first base is such a top-heavy position and it drops off really quick. Like, if you can go Yellick and Freeman or Bellinger and Freeman or, uh, you know, Freeman and Harper or something, that is one heck of a way to start your draft in a big, big way. Because especially, like you said, in 12 teams, the pitching depth's insane. That's one thing I've I've learned in this mock draft so far 
is yes, the aces, the elites are up there kind of in their own tier. But man, if you like that glob after the top, you know, seven, eight pitchers, there is a lot of pitching to choose from. I'm learning that real quick. And that starts after Harper. You have Trevor Bauer, and you got uh, Machado, then you Darvish, Pichette, Giolito, Arenado, Scherzer, Nola, Castillo, Walker. Then you have Albies, Bogarts, Kershaw, Rendon. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pitchers uh, going ADP round two right now. That is uh, saying quite a bit. And you're going to see that move up. If there's one injury or one little, like someone's missing part of camp, you're going to see one guy jump into the first round, maybe two jump into that back end of the first round. If Bauer actually gets his way and gets the throw before any, or every four games, he's going to be a first-rounder, arguably the first overall pick yep. because of the volume difference. So stuff like that, there's still going to be changed. So the fact that we've already seen such a big push for pitching, we're going to see more. Flaherty is going to creep back into the second round. There's no way he stays out, out of the second round. I, I don't see how – I think people are going to – how can you – like people were so big on him based off a of half a season, and now because of uh, because of what would arguably be a half a season again of – He had coverage for crying out loud. Like, yeah, he, he, he restretched out. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. People forget it's – like, it's like people want to forget that or something. So yeah. I went from being anti-Flaherty to loving his value right now. Give me Flaherty as my ace in the third round all day. I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's why it's um, gonna be it's gonna be interesting seeing how this plays out because he's like he goes anywhere from twenty seven to fifty eight. It's it's crazy. And twenty seven was in my league because in my league ten starting pitchers went in the second round. Yeah, I got was, him. In my, I actually got him in my league late third. Let me look at thirty fifth pick. So, so you must be in league eight. Is that where I'm, is that where I'm at? See, I'm glad oh, you know. I have no idea. Thirty fifth went in league eight. Fortieth was league. Uh, so it could have been fortieth. That's late round three. I got him fortieth. So you're around. So you're league seven. Yeah, I told you I was league seven. I thought so. See, I was yeah, right. you thought so. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> but yeah, fortieth. I got him. I got him. Really, what I thought was really great value. And again, he was my ace because I went hitter hitter. And I was like, yeah. wow, if that's if that's the case, I'll go hitter hitter every time. Because then my two pitchers, I forgot who's my other one. We'll get to it eventually. But I got my team right here. But yeah, it's like, oh yeah, I paired him with um, Blake Snell, which I will talk about that because I realized I'm not a fan of him in fifteen teamers. But anyway. <laughs> He's a, he's a tricky one. One of these pitchers that goes in round two, it was kind of a fun discussion on Twitter yesterday on Monday, so I want to kind of get your thoughts on this. Uh, Walker Buehler, he's going to pick 29.1, 26 player off the board, depends on how you look at their ADP, as high as 19, as low as 41. So there's a lot of people mixed on him, obviously. Slow start to the year, had a blister, all these different things. So really didn't have much of a 2020 season. So some are saying his innings will be let sh- uh, you know shut down, He's only like a year uh, removed from 180 innings, so I'm not like totally disowning this. Are you worried that he's not going to be back to his ace like innings counts, or do you think he'll be good to go? I think he's going to get a little bit of that Dodger itis. I really do think that's going to happen. I think all of, I think they're going to play that. Well, I don't know. They we're, we're all expecting them to compete for the World Series. That that long that postseason run can be helpful this year. Yep. So I'm. If they make it to the World Series, which, again, I think this is going to be a really good series between them and the Padres, but if they make it to the World Series, I don't think we're going to be as concerned about Walker Buehler. Plus, I do believe teams have probably talked about it. Players, Some players are probably more act- proactive about it than others, but I bet you players are still pitching on a regiment right now. Yep. Players are staying stretched out. Players came in stretched out. Yep. People forget that. Like you might not Sure, they might not pitch six innings right out the gate, but pitchers rarely do, it seems like, these days. So I think – the inning stuff might be overblown. Mm-hmm. I'm 100% with you. That's that's kind of been my point of my discussion on this because a lot of people are in the concern to camp. 
the guys I'm concerned with, and we're going to talk about these guys after we do two early mocks, but like the Lazardos, the Burns, the guys that have not done it before. But pitchers that have thrown the innings before, they know how to ramp up properly. They have been ramping up. Guys were throwing while we were they were negotiating the season. They might not have been throwing hard, but they were staying loose and ready. I, I wouldn't be shocked if guys are throwing now. Like you said, there's some teams that have tried to get a bunch of players to play in winter ball. Like they're trying to get them just to get their innings counts up. Like there, there's there, there's a program in play. So maybe he doesn't go 200 innings, but say Walker Bueller throws 160 to 170 innings. Is that good enough for you in the back end of round two? Yeah, I'm okay with that because I'm looking at it like quality over quantity. And there's players going later. You, this all goes. This goes back to roster construction now. Because if you think, because I think Walker Bueller is going to be an ace. It's just a matter of how many innings he pitches. You're right because I do think the Dodgers are going to manage and monitor all their guys, especially yep. Kershaw getting another year older. I think even Kershaw is, and he's going right after Bueller, so I think he's another guy that. Yep. Although I feel more comfortable about his innings, people forget that he started off the year like hurt again. Yep. So, like, that injury concern is there anyway. So, I think he's going to be limited as well. Regardless, you take a Walker Bueller, if you if you pair him with a – if you want to be aggressive, maybe a Lance Lynn falls to you in, in the in the third. Or I'm looking at other guys. Maybe, like, I feel like I feel like Sonny Gray is oddly, like, I'm comfortable taking him as, like, somebody who I expect to get innings out of or, is that, or even a Kenta Maeda, stuff like that, Brandon Woodruff. It's all about pairing him with somebody safe. Maybe a Barrios falls to I got Barrios really late in our draft. Yeah. And Barrios could be a good SP3 to back up the first two guys you get because you know Barrios is getting those innings and innings eaters are going to gain value again next year. Kyle Hendricks, another guy. Like it's all about who you pair Bueller with. So if you're if you're a little apprehensive, think quality over quantity and pick up quantity later because I think the skills are there and I think the, the talent is there. I think that's a phenomenal way to phrase it. That was kind of my argument in February before COVID hit is where I would I was arguing for Strasburg and Kershaw types where. We know they're probably going to end up on the IL at some point in time. But, you know, you look at a guy like Strasburg before this year where the big injury happened. He was still pitching about 140 to 160 innings, give or take, every season. And the ratios were great. The strikeout numbers were great. So you got quality when he was on the mound. Now you got to also factor in, okay, while he's on the IL, you're going to pick somebody up and throw him for replacement value. So you're still kind of tacking that onto your draft pick in theory. So you got to think about long term on this. You're still getting a darn good ball player. So just – for passing on a guy just because you're worried about his innings, I get to an extent. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I think there's more to it than that. And that's where, like, you're talking about building the roster, the Barrioses, things like that, where, like, my SP3 in the mocks, I wanted to see how it turns out. I took Sixto Sanchez. We'll talk about that in a bit. If I had a Bueller type, if I didn't have the guys I had in line that I was confident as my starters, I probably wouldn't take a Sixto Sanchez. Like, that's just how you do things when you build your roster. So Yeah, I took Barrios for the same reason. Well, Again, you mentioned we'll talk about it, but I took Barrios because mm-hmm. I just mentioned I needed somebody's – I needed a rock. Yeah. And he fell like – he fell like to like pick 100, which is fair because I, re- I remember last year, I think it was about the same price for him actually. He was like that – in that weird range of like he could fall anywhere. So I got him like – again, we'll look it up. But he was just like – he's a rock. And sometimes you just need those because like, I took too much – I feel like I took some risk early on for my starters. And then I backed up him with McCullers. So yeah, I have a bunch of question marks <laughs> at SP, but yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. It makes a lot of sense. You mentioned Kershaw. Um, Kershaw is like the pick 29-ish range. Max Scherzer's uh, going around 26-7. Would you rather trust Scherzer or Kershaw in 2021? <sighs> that is a tough question because I think they both have their risks at this point. I think Scherzer has the better stuff, but – how do you doubt what you saw from Kershaw? Like, I feel like Kershaw somehow, even as a top 10 pitcher, feels like a value because 
I feel like he's still like arguably one of the best in the game. So I don't, I don't know, but sure. Scherzer, if if he just, it's, is he going to stay healthy though? I don't know. That's the problem. I think I'm going to go, wow. I think, am I going to go Kershaw over Scherzer? I, I don't know. I think I, I, I truly think it's your preference. It's all about your belief in how healthy they can be. I think they both come with risk. I'm going to go, you know what? Let, let's make that stupid stat wins matter. The Dodgers have the better team. Yeah. Go with Kershaw because I think he gets more wins, honestly. And that's this is when wins matter. It's a tiebreaker. I use it as a tiebreaker when I'm like when I'm like so torn. I'm like I don't know which way to go. <laughs> I look at like one stat that I hate the most. I'm like, oh, I guess let's look at wins. Oh, I, I as of right now, obviously, but it's always the Dodgers. They always compete. Let's yep. see if Kershaw's velocity sustains again this year, though, because he gained that velocity coming into this year because he went the drive line. Let's see if he goes next offseason, comes back in the spring. And see if his velocity is still there. Because if the velocity dips, then I'm going to probably drop him a little bit. Because we saw the difference in the 2019-2020 Kershaw with the velocity gains. So if we can get the velocity back and remaining somewhat, you know, where in line where it, where it was this year, I think I'm going to put Kershaw ahead of Scherzer. Yeah. Yeah. The the velocity thing is the big thing, and that that he was tremendous this year. So hopefully we get a real spring training. We'll have some info on that. That'll help us make some picks going forward there. Now when we head into round three. I'm not going to read off all the players now, but some names I want to discuss here, and it can kind of intertwine with, you know, players that are hard to rank in 2021. So let's just start with Luis. It's Robert. That's what I've always said, and it finally came out the other day. That's how he actually says it. He said Robert because he wanted to make it easier for us dumb Americans. It's Robert. So um, with Lou Bob, that's what it always makes you. It's called Lou Bob. Um, but is it Lou Bob anymore if it's Robert? I'm, I, that's see. Mike's on top of it. Uh, but that's very, very possible. It's 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 Lou Rowe. Um, but he's going around pick 35 ADP-wise right now. He's gone as high as 16, which is a little too steep for me, and as low as 45. Where are you going on him? Because I believe the batting average could definitely improve from where it was this year. I think that's a given. But the power, the speed, everything he does, pretty darn legit. I'm looking up this. I've, I've recently tweeted about him because he's very polarizing, mm-hmm. and it's almost if, it, you, if you like him, you have to go get him type thing. At, at his at his max pick, I'm okay. I'm okay with him as a top fifty guy. The problem is, is I'm like I, I I'm treating him like Mondesi until he shows me he has better play discipline than Mondesi. Because although he has more, he has better raw skills, more raw more raw talent. We're still looking at a very small sample in AAA, a very small sample in the MLB. And he also faced well, arguably the easiest pitching he's going to face ever in that division, in that in the super division he dealt with. He's not going to get the Pirates as much next year, if at all. He's not going to get – I mean, the Reds were good, but the bullpen wasn't that great this year. The Cubs' bullpen was terrible, and their starters are okay. But uh, And then you're looking at Luis Robert. Among qualified hitters, which was like 140-something of them, he had the fourth-worst O-swing, the eighth-worst O-contact, the sixth-worst Z-contact, third-worst overall contact, and the worst swing strike rate in baseball. It's AKA, no, AKA, for and a lot of people aren't analytically driven. So, like, honestly, I'll, I'll break it down. Basically, he swings at everything. He has a lot of swing and miss in his game, and he swings at a lot of strikes. Like, he misses a lot of balls in the zone as well. Like, balls thrown in the zone, he swings and misses. But when he connects, we literally saw him hit the second farthest home run of the year at like 487 feet. So, we know the power is legit. We know the speed's real. But going back to Mondesi, I'm very anti Mondesi. I think you are as well. I think a lot of us are very anti that. That kind of that plate discipline, that like, ooh, that profile is really scary. Monacy, known for his plate discipline, ranks better in four of those five categories I just said mm-hmm. than Robert. That concerns me. Do I think Robert long term is going to be a question? No, I'm not too. I'm not there yet. 
where I am concerned is that in 2021, because there wasn't enough time to grow through these pains in a short in 2020. No, that's valid. That's very valid. He's one of those guys I just feel like, you know, he's going to figure it out eventually. And once he does, you're never going to get him at this price. And that's when it gets interesting. Like, okay, when he figures it out, he's a first-round pick. Yeah, but now, we said the same thing about Vlad, who has the better hit tool, who has the better, like, the overall bat. Right. And Vlad's like what six seventh round pick still or now which is, or fifth which is pick? which is which is a bit crazy to me because I feel like he's really close, but um, yeah, Lou Bob, it, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. I'm going to have a feeling I'm not going to have him anywhere. It's going to be very tough. But you mentioned Mondesi; he's going right after him. Like Robert is 34.9, Mondesi's 35.2, as high as pick 18, as low as pick 61. And this is a guy like his hit tool sucks. Like you said, it's really really bad. I'll, I'll make that real simple. You don't need to look at numbers; it sucks. It's the but, same thing. Like, like all those numbers I said for Robert or Robert, sorry, um, all, Mondesi was right, right there behind him. Like it wasn't like Mondesi was a, like vastly better than him. He was just technically better than him. They were both like top five, top ten in most of these stats, which was absurd. And this is just, where this is where having like the the no real press, no you know kind of non Zoom interviews where you can kind of get like intimate conversations with a player and get like secrets or anything like that. I want to know what Mondesi did. For his September, like if you look at his September numbers, though he had a crazy hard hit rate, an amazing barrel rate. Like he did things that are great that we've seen when he throughout his career in the minors, anything where he showed power, he showcased that for about three and a half weeks, which is obviously not what you want for a six month season. But it was something that I want to know: did he change his approach to the plate? Did he tweak something? I know there's a guy that I talk to a lot that does video comparisons. Maybe there's something there, but um, I'm just thinking that there's there's something that's interests me because. I hate rabbits. I don't like Billy Hamilton, those type of guys. But if Monacy can showcase, you know, 15 home run power, hit 255 to 260, and still steal all those bases, he is extremely entertaining to me. And then all of a sudden, if he does hit at a little power and a little average like that, he's basically a Trey Turner light like two to three rounds later. Do you, do you at least agree with that? Or is that my just crazy? I'm not as optimistic as what it is. It's not that I don't agree with the potential because we've obviously he flashes it. He he literally won people leagues this year because he anybody drafted him or bought low on him, probably started them for both on bases regardless, and the rest followed. Mm-hmm. And I, I you're right. I don't. You're, maybe the shoulder finally got healthy. Maybe the shoulder wasn't That's right. What I'm all saying. There's got to be something that just clicked, and all of a sudden he was a completely different player. What date would you say he started? You just said just in general September. Let's look at September. I'm just gonna look at September. Like September first for fun. It was it was give or take. That I remember I was writing them up a lot towards the end of the year for DFS, and it was somewhere along that line. Well, because now I'm gonna do it on the fly. I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna look up the you know I like to look at my swing change and all that. Maybe he made a little tweak in his approach, but I'm just looking overall. The strikeout rate dropped about three percent, but it was the walk rate. He actually was far more patient. The walk rate jumped up almost about five point seven percent. So that's huge, and that's huge for a player of his skill set. Because if you get on base that much, you gave him a free base to go steal bases. That's crazy. Basically, guy. and he was on, and he stole sixteen. He did not steal sixteen. He yes, stole in a month, bases in in a uh, month. Holy jeez! Yep. Um, yep. And yet it's crazy because if you actually look at the first, you know, the first was it? I guess first month or two months, month and a half. Yep. Um, he was he had eight stolen bases, but got, got caught five. Maybe his confidence as a whole was shot. Maybe he was just not. He was a shell of himself. Exit velocity. Wow, jumped up. Average exit velocity jumped up six to six uh, miles per hour. Yep. You mentioned he was barreling the ball better. So maybe a mixture of health and confidence happened. The bad bit was also 464. So take that from if you're, hit, if you're hitting at that hard, you're hitting on the ground, your bad bit goes higher. 
He is a he is a uh, that, but he is such a he, that speed tool allows you to be a higher Babbitt guy. Yep. This is the type of stuff I do for my deep dives. For those who are wondering, I start looking at every little nook and cranny, and he was pulling the ball a lot in yep. this final thing. And oh, he pulled the, his pull rate. Like, he might have had a little bit of approach change because his pull rate went up eleven point four percent too. That's quite the jump. And his ground ball rate dropped four five percent as well, with all of it going to his fly ball rate. And he stopped popping up the ball, so he was actually again goes back to that better quality of contact. Mm-hmm. He was um, his infield fly ball rate dropped twelve percent, twelve point five percent. Yeah. So again, I know. Okay, we can do this all day because I sit here and go like bit by bit into him. But I think, think it's interesting because Montessi is going to be talked about a lot this offseason. Well, a now lot. you gave me a, now you gave me something to do. Like now I have to go look at no more because like I yeah, don't cause, understand. Yeah, because he was on my list to look at more because I I just looked at him briefly enough to kind of tell you what I know from. DFS because I was trying to justify was he worth playing it every day and you look at everything he's doing and the increase in quality of contact that's a big plus for me especially in DFS where you know if he starts slumping after two or three days he can just jump ship you don't have to worry about it yeah. but um, I'm watching that I'm looking and I go okay I, I expand it to another week and another week I'm like he's been doing this for a little while now and it's like oh. looking pretty good so I'm curious the only thing about him is like his swing strike rate like he's oh, still never- <laughs> oh, terrible! It was nineteen point nine before, twenty point three after. It's like legitimately, like argue. I think it's like bottom three in the league. So I don't think that that. But he was he was just more patient. So what's what's concerning is that he was more patient and he saw things more. We <laughs> missing roughly the same. So yeah. that isn't sustainable. But he did chase less, which again, it makes sense. You swing, you swing less, you chase less, you walk more. And he had almost a league average walk rate. And for him, a league average walk rate or even slightly under is a huge. Huge help to what he his skill set, which again it, it turns it like a walk turns into a double. Yep, nine times out of ten, roughly. Yeah, I have no problem if he hits two thirty, if his on base is like three forty because he's walking. That's totally. Oh, yeah, I'll, but, I'll take you all day. I know what I know. What average is a, ca- a category, but again, you think wins are dumb? I think average is dumb. Give me OBP. Like, I think, I think you're that's right. Reliable. No, yeah. Yes. So we'll, we'll see. We agree wholeheartedly. But the problem is, is let's be honest, his OBP might be three hundred for lucky. Yes. Although we'll see, we will see though, because was this a flash in the pan? Can I go back? I'm going to go back and look at his 2019 month by month. I guarantee you there was a month where he had similar numbers. Yeah. That's the thing. So it could just be one of those volatile profiles. And, well, and, and since I'm kind of lazy and you like to do your deep dives, also look back to, I believe it was 2018 or whenever he was called up and he had a monster second half to help people win titles. Look at what he did there too. Probably probably, probably identical. I got yeah. you. I'll look, That's we'll what I'm saying. To see if I there's something spend, there. I can spend the next 20 minutes looking at Montessi because he's super, he really is super polarizing. And I will forever, like, just like Javi Baez, I will forever be fading these guys yep. because they're the, when you have people with such a volatile plate discipline, it's like one out of every 10 really do what Montessi does. But Montessi has an above average skill with his speed that helps them defy some of these other numbers where a lot of guys with these numbers can't do. So I know Robert is kind of in that category of having that elite speed, but he also has elite power. Yeah. So you mix the two together. The tools are there. I just I'm banking on it being 2022, and I'm willing to be wrong in 2021. Is what I'm. It's pretty much what I'm getting. I'm willing to be wrong on Robert Robert. Jeez. And I, I'm half Cuban. I should do. I should be better at this. Um, <laughs> I want to mention. One, I want to mention something. Don't look these guys up right now, but just make a mental note or write it down or whatever. You mentioned Javi Baez. Look up Baez and Glaber Torres because I've done this on a few pods and some other things. They got way less aggressive this year. I think that hurt them. So yeah, I saw Torres. Torres's walk rate flew up last I looked, or something like that. Yeah, they were. But like you look at their zone and then their chase rates, they were more effective hitting the baseball when they were chasing more. If that makes sense, because they were expanding the zone, and they didn't yeah. do that, and things mm-hmm. changed. 
So, that, so and some hitters like a guy like Javi, some they hitters need to be like they need to be he's aggressive. Always, he's so, always been that way. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that's interesting. You're right. I won't look him up now because that'll put another 15 minute tangent. <laughs> but Monty is so polarizing. I think people are going to honestly look, listen to that part and be like, be kind of like probably just as torn as ever because I'm still just as yeah. torn as ever. But I think it's still worth noticing, not, noting, and talking about. But anyway, we can move on. I apologize. No, it's fine. I think I think the last thing I'll say on Mondesi for now because I know I'll probably talk about him on almost every show I do until next <laughs> season starts because um, I'm infatuated with with the different angles to it. Is I think Mondesi is a very good pick if you have a league with an overall title like the main event because he has that ceiling that could just skyrocket you. But say you're in a 12 or 15 team mono league or just no overall, just that league alone, where you want to play a little safer, maybe you don't go to a Mondesi. So or think- what if you what if you get Trout and Rendon as your first two picks and you maybe you're going maybe you're going hitter heavy, you go if Trout you- Rendon Mondesi. Yeah. That works like a, like a, a Juan Soto who you know is average yeah. is through the roof. Like, and that's why I said Rendon because Rendon yeah. falls in that second yeah. round area. Maybe Bregman falls there. You trust sure. their average, even though I don't trust Bregman's average as much as Rendon's. Yeah. But you still, my point is, though, you get like those yeah. types of guys, the high floor, you set yourself up good. And Monacy is going to be there in the third round more than likely. Mm-hmm. And you try to, you zigging everyone's ads. Pitching's getting pushed up. I'm going to have a couple teams where I'm going to try zigging, going heavy hitter, and then hit the middle tier pitchers. Mm-hmm. On the off, because you know you're more likely to find that next. You, the idea is to find the next breakout, the next Bieber, yeah. the next Police Sack, or whatever. It's going to be in that range of like 25 to 40, like somewhere in there. You usually find them. So I'm, I know I'm going to try at least one league where it's like hitter, hitter, hitter. Then maybe go SP minus three or something like that. But that's the type of league where I would set myself up with such a high floor that I could take on a Mondesi that who could bury you, who did bury you for a month and a half prior to breaking out in September, and. But the problem is, is, if he's so bad again, does he get benched again? Does he move down the lineup again? It's tough, like, man. It's a gamble. It's a massive gamble. But it's so. But it's fun. That's what makes fantasy fun. That's why I love baseball. Yep, it's great. It's such a long season. You got to be willing to wear it out. But let's talk Jose Abreu real quick because he's going around pick three, thirty-seven point three. It's a guy I've always been a fan of. He's like Mister Consistency. If you look at the back of his baseball card, he um, exceeded that consistency this year, obviously in the shortened season. And a guy that barely cracked the top 10 at first baseman in most drafts when it came to ADP, now he's flying off the, the, the board in the third round, which is something we'd never see with Abreu. He went as high as pick 19, which I just don't understand that. As low as pick 57, I actually thought he might end up going even lower. Maybe in March he will because I, I just can see people now saying he's old and all this stuff. But he's on a great team. The hit tool's legit. Like He could be the next Nelson Cruz in my mind. Obviously not 40 consistent home – 40 home run power, but could have that consistency at the dish, like a 280 hitter hitting you 25 to 30 homers in the middle of that lineup. That's going to be good for a while. Do you take a break of this early or is this too rich for your blood? This is a little too rich for my blood. And it's because I, I but the first base is bad. Like I thought second base was bad. First base is bad, but this is the year I'm going to probably switch up my feelings and be like, just go after Pete Alonzo. Because now you're getting Pilonzo where you should have been drafted oh, last year. No, don't don't leave us. But here, okay. Well, how about this? Here's a, here's, here's a different one. Here's a different one because this is a guy that at least can hit for average. But Pilonzo can't. Um, <laughs> Jose Abreu here at 37. Let me scroll because I did it in a 12 team. I'm in a 12 team and a 15. So this in this one. So you got Jose Abreu around pick 35, or you can go around pick 75 and get Paul Goldschmidt. Well, there you go. Perfect. It's and and. I, I don't know, but see what scares me about Goldschmidt. I'm not a Goldschmidt guy, mm-hmm. and he's been steadily declining for like six years now. Like it's been like one of the weirdest things. It's almost like Miggy, where it's just like a little less every year. 
So maybe not Goldschmidt, but where's where's Matt Olsen going? He's going. Have, he's going two picks before Goldschmidt. I'd rather have. I'll take another shot on Olsen. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not off that Olsen train. He I'm with you. what he needs to do is honestly just start laying down bunts down the third base line, dude. You see the shifts that. The problem is, is like all this. Like you, this is where Statcast fools you. Statcast yeah. says he's like a thousand times better than he is, and he is. But it, the problem is, he's so pull happy, and pitchers yeah. are actually pitching him to pull the ball that they're they're just shifting him, and he's he's one of those that are getting really heavily affected by the shifts. The power's real, and everything else is like the, the tools are there. But man, he needs to start putting the ball the opposite way a little bit. Otherwise, he's gonna forever be like Cirrus Davis. Like, oh, that's no. what he's into. terrifying. You know what but I mean? Like, you're right. No, you're right. You're, you're you're right. right. But, he'll, be an Ad, he'll be Adam Dunn. Yeah, so. that's that's why it's like, but I'm willing to give Olsen at a discount a shot as my first baseman because, yeah, you're getting Olsen in that 75 range. And I think that's fair. I think that price is fair. I think Pete Alonzo should be around there, too. So I realize Alonzo is up higher because of his min pick of 28, which is absurd. Because he showed nothing. If you go and his troubles, people are like, "Well, it was a shortened season." Go back to the second half of 2019. Oh, That's where it started. It started. The strikeouts, the strikeouts increased. The batting average decreased. I don't buy, it, but the power. It's weird though, because his power metrics aren't even through, like off the through the roof. But it's because he has enough power and he barrels the ball very well. Is yes. why the power is always going to play and be a plus thing for him. So I can understand. But then I'm looking at guys like why. why I, I, I know Aaron Judge has his health problems, but I'd rather have Aaron Judge, George Springer, Brandon Lau. These are all names going after Pialonzo. I'd rather have above him still. And then Nelson Cruz, his health is getting that point, but I still think I'd rather give Cruz a shot. And then that's why I think Pialonzo belongs right here with Matt Olson and, and Tom Marte, which I love both of them, by the way. And uh, yeah. I've drafted both of them in my league. Ooh, I'm, glad you meant, I'm glad you mentioned Catel Marte because that's a dude that's just – like there's a handful of guys that I think are falling too much uh, because of the shorts. Like – there's overreactions on both ends of the spectrum. Like Luke Voigt got moved up to 46. Like nope. he's, been, he's been great. Like don't get me wrong, but that is one heck of a jump up there. You got Cattell Marte who's fallen quite a bit. You have a bunch of other guys that you can take a look at. So that's going to be the differentiating factor. Basically, how much are you using 2020 to your 2021? I'm. It's tough, and there's no right answer. There really isn't. Well, there, there's people that are really smart. Like I think it was a Phil. What's his last name that plays in all those main events? Do so. Really well. Do so. He's very, very smart dude. So I respect a lot of things he says. And he was saying that basically you look at the numbers, if you're looking at projections, you look at the numbers, 33% of them. But if you're looking at like a deeper look, like analytics, 50 to 60% apparently. So it's that cascade that doesn't matter pretty much. So when, you, when, you, when you turn the microwave on, you get 60%. When you turn it off, you get 30%. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> basically is what I'm understanding. But then again, the, the waves to the microwave might be messing with my brain. I don't know what's going yeah, on. True, true. Maybe, uh, we need a, maybe we need a uh, air fryer. That might be the trick. Or some tinfoil, like a tinfoil hat. Okay, tinfoil hat. There we go. There we go. <laughs> but I was just looking at the thing about Marte is I wanted to look, and he played second base a lot. Like I, like I thought I thought I wasn't sure because I know he played the outfield, bounced around a little bit. But I guess my point is is he should have second base eligibility coming into next year, and second base being so bad. And Marte, if you actually go look at the hardest hit balls of the year, like overall, or sorry, the max exit velocity. Because remember, who, who put out that awesome article about how max exit velocity is a really good indicator of power? I forgot um, who did that. Was it Dan Richards? I feel like it was a Dan Richards article. Dan Richards does a lot of that. Dolph does a lot of that. Dolph yeah. Lundgren himself, Alex Chamberlain, and Max Freeze. Like those three guys. I know there's more. Those three guys focus on that power contact quite a bit. And uh, there's probably one of those three. Yeah. So so I remember somebody putting out something about that. And I remember reading something about it. And if you look at Catel Marte, he had the seventh hardest hit ball of 2020. Mm-hmm. It was a ground ball, but it was the seventh hardest hit <laughs> ball. But my point is, is that power's still there. I think he was playing through injury. We saw him put up a good average 
only like one or two home runs with one stolen base. But I think over a full season, I still I still think he's a 25 home run guy, not the 30 something we saw in 2019. I still think he has that 25 home run plus power, and I still think he has about that 10 stolen base floor. And I look at put the batting averages there, and you can get him in the fifth round, sixth round in these 15 teamers. I think he's solid value, and he'll probably move back to the outfield next year. So he might get that dual eligibility, but even if he doesn't, second base is so bad that Marte is a really good value now. Like I'm all in on Marte at his current value. You'll probably see him move up a little bit though as we get into March, uh, February, March area. Yeah, because I okay, I know you've done your you've done a lot of your rankings already. Because I, I I know when guys are doing rankings, because I do the same thing. You start tweeting the position a lot. Like you were tweeting out about guy Cronin, So I know you were doing second base the other day. Just no, it, it. it just happened to work out that way. I really oh, wasn't wow. impressive. No, what I do do is um I start looking at random players and then uh, I go down the rabbit you hole. You get down the rabbit hole of who compares to them at the position. And, and that's why I was like, here is yeah. really bad. Cronenworth was really good. I wanted to test recency bias. And I was very surprised. But the crazy part was is I had some really smart people backing me on my Cronenworth take. Because Hero looked – it's one of those things that I will adjust. But I am so out on Hero because of how bad – like his plate discipline was terrible. And pitchers seem to really exploit him. And people look at 2019 and look at the bottom line, but if you look at the behind the scenes, there was a lot there suggesting regression already. And all the all pitchers did was adjust. Now, here is a great prospect, a great talent, but he's still striking out 30% of the time for two straight seasons now, like it or not. And that type of profile lends itself to really, really bad batting average. And, yeah, the power's there, but the, the speed isn't even there. And people are like, well, he steals. And I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head because, again, I can go search them, but I do know his success rate. Going back in 2019 was the only time he had like a decent success rate. Otherwise, it's been like 15, 60 percent. So how many, do they do they give him a yellow light? Do they give him a red light now in the base pass if he doesn't get better at running? Because it's well, it's, the one thing the one thing I want to look into more again. This is where I, I'm going to say it so many times. I'm not the only one. Is I this is where not having like beat writers there doing things really hurts. But that Brewers team offensively was so bad this yeah, year. I know. I really wonder like were they not running because they just didn't have the chance to keep guys on base to score runs. Like there, there's so many things because council likes to run. So that's, that's Usually. one thing to look at, but this year, like they just didn't run. They didn't have a big roster that runs compared to the past. Uh, it's just a weird dynamic. I, that team was so bad offensively. I wonder what that effect that had on him. But they also don't pay. So are they really going to bring in any good players that's to surround Yelich and here again? True. Like I would love to see them compete because they have here, they have Yelich, they have some pieces, they have Woodruff, Burns, which I'm, they have good parts, but I feel like they're going to be. I feel like they're going to sell before they buy, which is aggravating because they were competitive and now they're kind of. And they not. just paid. And they just paid Yellick. So yeah, it's like oh crap. They'll probably. I bet you they sell them off. I guarantee you they sell them no, all. They're going to have to eventually. They'll have to. But where I was going with that, so you had Cronenworth, who um, like here is here is average ADP is around seventy right now. Cronenworth hasn't been picked yet. Most leagues haven't gone past 100 or so. Some leagues have got like 118, but Cronenworth still is, not, is still on the board in every mock draft right now. So you're going to get a heck of a deal as it is as we stand. I'm happy if, if, if you believe in that. But my question for you is a name that we've seen talked about a lot. I know you've talked about him a bit. Um, basically, he almost went undrafted in a lot of leagues last year. His ADP is 58 right now. His name is Brandon Lau. Like, are you a Lau over Cronenworth guy? Do you think Lau's yes. worth his price? Like, how, are you uh, are you? good with Lau by the end of round four in a 15-team league? I'm having a hard time taking him there, but I think a lot of it's because I had so much of I had so much exposure to him last year at such a different price. You know what I mean? Like It's one of those, like, Ketel Marte, I had to warm up to him being a second, third-round pick, well, like a third or fourth-round pick last year. And that's where I'm having a hard time truly like embracing the, uh, the, the ADP of Brandon Lau, but 
dude, everything about it just seems re- like really realistic. We saw him have the end problem was his, his it was against his big question mark was lefties and how would the Rays would treat him against the lefties. And if you go, go look at his splits, he vastly improved. Yeah. That was another thing I, I put out there because people were like, well, it's a small sample. If you look at 2019 against lefties, he bat he only had three home runs and what was it? Okay, it was 40 games, 66 at bats, three home runs, 242 batting average with you know other like a 50% K rate, I think it was. It was absurd, the strikeout rate. I, 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 again, there's another tweet I put out there because I found it very intriguing. I, I like to try to reference my tweets, but I can't find it. Um, but against um, versus lefties, a 52.9% strikeout rate in 2019. So fast forward to 2020, which we're going to do on the fly here because that's what I like to do here, obviously, apparently, which I shouldn't tell my secrets. I'm obviously doing this while we're talking, though. Um, <laughs> 50 at-bats, so similar, uh, 60 play appearances, very similar numbers as far in terms of sample sizes because I think the other one was like 64. This is like 60. He had six home runs, bat, hit for 300 batting average against the double, uh, a 206 WRC plus, which is absurd, but only a 23.3% strikeout rate. So he he dropped that strikeout rate against lefties 30%. I don't think he's that this good mm-hmm. against lefties, but he wasn't that bad, is my point. So I think there's a happy middle. But you're looking at a guy who gives you plus power, some speed contributions as well. Again, back to that bad position, and I I mean the batting average. 260, 269, 270 last two years. I think that's pretty realistic. I just, I, I think that's okay. I, I, I don't know the fourth round, and here's my, hard, I have a hard time. Here's my question for you then. It's the yes or no answers here. You have Brandon Lau at 58, and these are second base ones going after him. Glaber Torres at 64. No. Brandon Lau at 58, Kevin Bijou at 65. No, no. Close. That's close. I like Bijou a lot, um, but it's, that's close. Brandon Lau at 58. Ketel Marte at 75. Ketel Marte. You found a weakness. <laughs> um, here's, here's another one. If eligibility stands correct, Lau at 58, and this is a guy that's dropping way too much and it's going to come back up eventually. This guy somehow has second base and third base eligibility on this. Yohan Moncada. I think Moncada's third base only. I, I, looked up, I remember yeah. looking up his game logs. And I, I was shocked to see second base. So he's going to be second base. Oh, and Gleyber Torres. I, I'm glad you brought him up. He's not second base eligible either. So this is all kind of for for nothing then. I just thought about that, yeah, because I, I looked him up. I looked him up the other day. I was like, because someone brought it up. I'm like, no, he, losing second base. Now look at look at Torres as a shortstop only. He loses a ton of value. Insane amount of value at the depth of that position. That's big. He's big. he's gonna be barely a top ten shortstop. Yeah, well, I didn't have him ranked as a top ten shortstop before this season. So, he did not. <laughs> so at least people will join the parade now. That'll be good. I think uh, you. And I, I mean, I know you and I were. I thought that was pretty. One of the few things that like, not we agree on a lot, but that was one thing yeah. that maybe people give us a hard time about. But shortstop was just so good. You're gonna have like I think Glaber's gonna be he's gonna fall quite a bit, rightfully so. He doesn't offer speed, and if he's not second base eligible, that's that's yep. bad. So last one I'll do here is you have Lau at 58 at pick 99, Jeff McNeil. I'm oh, I'm on I know it's not a popular thing to say around people these days, but I'm not a McNeil guy. I'm actually going to take – I'm okay with Lau at 58 compared to McNeil because I can wait even longer and get Cronenworth, who has multi-positional eligibility and yeah. a similar skill set with better steals but less power. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap up our two early mocks talk now because we could literally go on this thing for a long, yeah. long time just kind of going on this, and I want people to check it out. And I'm just going to keep using this as a conversation point for a while because they're going to keep changing and getting more information. But the last thing I'm going to mention, and it will kind of lead into our next part here, is if you don't take pitching early – 
in round three, late round three into round four. Woodruff, Glasnow, Lynn, Gallon, Maeda, Snell, Lamette, Freed, Gray all go. And if you wait until, say, round six-ish, Hendricks, Sixto, Carrasco, Granke, Plesak, Wheeler, Strasburg. So you have options is what I'm trying to say if you don't go early. And, and Burns is in there too, I forgot. But what I want to get to you on is you had a interesting starting pitching poll because there's lots of ways that I dissect this, obviously. And you basically said, who would you rather have? Cookie Carrasco, Jesus Lazardo, McCullers, or Berrios? As a, like, who would you draft out of these four? And like I said, you have Carrasco at pick 75. Uh, you have Sixto at pick 70. We'll get, he goes going like one pick ahead of Carrasco. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have Lazardo. Where did he go? Oh, he's going around pick 86. McCullers is really dropping off. My Atlanta. He's at pick 99. And then you mentioned Barrios earlier. He's at pick 93. So Carrasco, Lazaro, McCullers, Barrios. McCullers and Barrios get quite a bit of a deal there, it looks like. What was your logic behind this uh, this tweet? I just see a whole bunch of um, just there's some – I don't know. I really was curious because I didn't know which way to go. I really wanted to gauge the general consensus because there's just – it's so hard to judge pitching off such a short season. I think it's harder to judge pitching than it is hitting. I think hitting, you can find a little more of what to believe, what not to believe, whereas you're not finding that in necessarily finding – like, I don't know, with pitching, there's so much volatility. Start to start, like the colors throws a new pitch, whatever, and then this guy's doing good. Is it a hot streak? Is it just – is it who they are? So I wanted to see, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, do we go upside over proven talent? Are we concerned about health with certain players? So that's kind of what the idea was behind the tweet was just to gauge some general feedback. And it got quite a bit. Who was your choice out of the four? I think it was Carrasco. And then the more I look into it, it's like, well, Carrasco had some like things that I'm kind of concerned about. Not only is he getting older, but he also, I have my notes right here. His strength rate was higher than, you know, league average and his own, personal like uh typical uh strain rate all the era indicators suggest he was a little worse than he should have been and what scares me is like yeah he had a career like not career best he had a bounce back uh came on his walk rate but that came with a career walk rate like the, the walk rate being really high like, spiking compared to his usual self and an o swing rate that dropped so he wasn't getting as much chases so you pair the two together it makes sense you're not getting people chased on your pitches you're gonna walk more so does he bounce back how much did he benefit because if you go look at his start by start game log you can see that he had like, I don't know, like really good starts against the obviously bad teams, and then some some struggles against like the Cubs and other teams that were a little better on offense. So, how much of that plays into it? And I'm just, I don't know. Like, I'm having a hard time honestly ranking those middling pit, like that next tier pitching after the top like 15 to 20. And that's what again, that's what all this is. I'm picking Carrasco based on track record, and I know we know what he can do, but I don't know. There's ups, there's more upside elsewhere. Like uh, so, it's like it's really it depends. Is do you want upside or do you want steady uh, production? Yeah, the the glob as a uh, sport and Mason called it last year is legit. It's a uh, that's why I, I thought I just listed off what you can find basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, around four to like round eight, it's just a ridiculous amount of guys you can see popping off. But like for me, Carrasco, I love. I just saw some hiccups this year that make me wonder if things are coming to an end because he's older than people think. Like I'm not saying he's done, but I'm curious to see how much more dominance he has in him. Uh, Lazardo, I love, but I he, like I said earlier, Lazardo's burns of the worlds, they're the ones I'm worried about innings more yeah. than anything. So I'm kind of curious there. So it leads me with McCullers and Barrios. 
Barrios is as steady at as they come. He's got a 200-inning floor. I guess what he does, he doesn't strike out a lot of guys. So there's that. I liked McCullers for the fact that we saw him get going in the second half of the season, you know, coming off of TJ, getting worked in. Once he kind of got the reins off of him, he started to really get it going his last four or five starts. I saw a lot to like there. He's a guy that's not going to have, you know, at least give you 150 innings and in round seven or so, that's not bad at all. If he's your SP3 with ace-like upside, I went with McCullers there. But it's a very interesting debate because I'm pretty sure last I checked, Lizardo took that one down because everyone loves the Jesus Lizard. So it's going to be very interesting there. Yeah, I think he did win. But it was pretty much – I think it was like a heavy um, Jesus Lizardo or Cookie conversation. And I thought I found it very interesting that McCullers got so little respect, to be honest. I thought it was going to be closer. So McCullers is becoming a value again because he felt in my draft it's like pick 100 or whatever again. So – yeah, no, I was very surprised about it as well. So we'll be something fun to monitor, but uh, we have a long ways to go in that and then see where the rest of these mocks go. And then in December, we'll have, you know, NFBC DCs will start going and we'll get those ADPs. And then God knows what else we'll get ourselves into because it'll be so much more fun to go out there. But let's do a couple listener questions. We have Mr. Simeon, SP streamer himself, good buddy of yours from this uh, beer and bourbon podcast that you guys do. Um, he asks, who is your SP4? So there must be something behind that to just throw out the term SP4, Mike. Who's Or, or is he talking about, okay, after the big three is probably what he's talking about. Now yeah. it makes sense. Just dawned on me. That's why we do this. Um, so after DeGrom, Cole, Bieber, whatever order there we talked about, who's your SP4? Um, <laughs> who's your favorite? <laughs> I, I, it's really pick your poison. Um, yeah. How much of Giolito, like, we know he has ace upside. I love Giolito, but Bauer really looked to turn it on. But I think what it is, it's like a, it's like, it's like, it's like a ex girlfriend that hurt you, but you're taking her back. It's how Bauer is to me, because I was big on Bauer the year he broke out. Like yeah. I was huge on Bauer, and then he hurt, he he just hurt me. Um, yeah, can I just defer to you? Because I don't really, I'm so torn. It'll probably change. I'll go Giolito for now, just because I'm such a Giolito guy. But Darvish is very intriguing, and Bauer, I think it's those three. I, like, that's why they're all back-to-back-to-back to back to back in the ADP right now. Yeah, Darvish is my guy. Uh, that's who I was that's all fine. over him. I was all <laughs> over him this year. Um, like, these, like you said, these guys are all fine. If Bauer gets his little deal he wants, he's going to skyrocket above the other three. Yeah. And now you have a new, now we're talking SP5 here. But um, Darvish is my guy just because of the consistency factor. That's what I want. We saw it in the second half. It was one of those things where he admitted – he made, a, he made a change, and he figured it out. And sometimes it's as simple as that. Nick Pollock and these guys, they talk about it all the time, and they know pitching better than pretty much anyone. And it was that simple yeah. for him. And he and the question this year is, could he duplicate it? And he did. He looks filthy, and he added pitches. Like he has like nine pitches now. It's it's asinine what he's doing out there. And I don't see it changing much for him because this is the guy they that came from Japan. The reason why the Rangers spent all that money, you're seeing it here. He's a pitcher, not a thrower. And that's dangerous, and that can have a lot of success because – Yes, he won't play every game in the Central Bills to play a lot. So I'll take Darvish with my caveat that I will mention is if we find out in spring training that Walker Bueller is going for 170-plus innings, he's my number four. Yes, but we're talking in, in October right now. So. Yes, that's why I said that's, I'm putting a caveat out there because people like to – you know how Twitter and stuff works. Dude, I, I got added. <laughs> it happened. I got – someone wrote old takes exposed on one of my things, and I forgot what it was. I think it was about me just saying the season won't make it because I was like, dude, I, I wasn't rooting against it. I just actively didn't believe we, especially once we were getting all those like Marlins and other teams just getting COVID. 
I was legitimately concerned. But you were the only person I know that was like from the beginning, we're going to have a season of, of some sort. So I'll give you that. I was never rooting. But the thing is, is I was never actively rooting against the season. I just didn't believe we were going to make it through. Anyway. We're we rooting against it, but we don't need to go down that road anymore because I've had my uh, – uh, we can do that on a different show. Might have to get a Patreon for that. Yeah. Um, and then the other question we have, this is a good one because I thought everyone knew this story, but uh, David Mendelson of Triple Play Fantasy, who we've both been on that show, a uh, great, great group of guys over there. Oh, yeah. Um, I put in the tweet today that I'm having Sleepy K Mike Curlin on the show. So David asked, why is Mike Sleepy K? Is it because he's tired? Is it because he likes sleeper players? The world needs to know. No, David, you need to know. So, Mike, yeah. the floor is yours to explain Sleepy K. Okay. Well, I am known for being goofy as it is. I am known for many issues. My mic, I think my mic's been off this whole show, just so you know, just because I went to look and I'm like, it doesn't seem like it's connected. So you've been getting my audio from my webcam this whole time. Pretty sure I screwed that up too. I do a lot of funny things like that. And it's, it's frustrating because my stuff is always set up and then when I go record, I don't know what happens. Anyway, so speaking of recording and not knowing what happens, I'm recording with one of my regular co-hosts, George, Roto Nino, people might know him as. And him and I, it's, it's back when I was like hustling hard. It was like 1.30 in the morning because he's West Coast like you are. So I always do later pods for him. help, you know, so we, we get together. I'm a late night guy. Well, it was like 1 in the morning and we were talking about J.P. Crawford. For, it was a shortstop. We were talking about very deep shortstops at this point in the offseason. Well, one thing led to another. He's talking about J.P. Crawford and I, I, I laid back. I used to do my oh, – that's another weird thing. I, used to, I should probably set the scene that people don't realize. I didn't always have this setup. I didn't have the mic in front of me, my computer – I used to use a foldable desk and podcast on my couch. Dangerous. Don't do that because yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll lead to the end of this story real quickly. So basically, so just to kind of get there at this point, it, well, one thing led to another. I'm on my couch. It's one in the morning. We're talking to J.B. Crawford. I lean back for just a minute, close my eyes, do one of those eye rubs. He's done talking to J.B. Crawford, and it was quiet. And I guess I, I, I fell asleep while podcasting. And and it's like people are like, how did you do that? I'm like, dude, it's if it was with like a guest like you, Bubba, or like you know somebody that wasn't one of my regular guys, probably wouldn't have happened. And we didn't have video back then either. It was it was Zoom before we yeah. did these video podcasts. That makes it way different. I'll be honest. If you don't have people having to watch you, I used to have a lot where I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> in a big way. <laughs> and do that on a couch where you can lay your head back. Game over. And um. That's what happened. I fell asleep and like 20 or 30, like maybe 20 seconds went by. And I guess I wasn't in a deep sleep because I was listening to, and I realized it was quiet and the, the actually being quiet woke me up. And I was like, hello. He's like, Hey, you still there? I'm like, yeah, dude, sorry. I fell asleep. And that was like, <laughs> and I have the audio somewhere, but it, the thing is those people are like, Oh, at least the audio. I'm like, it really wasn't that good the story. The fact that I fell asleep during a podcast is way funnier, but the audio didn't live up to it. It was like one of those, let's just leave it as I fell asleep podcasting. People seem to love it. And it's again, it happened because there's really no excuse. But I, I like my excuse is that I was super. It's like you know, you have your like you and you and Toby, you know, you guys podcast before you went to video. If you guys had any screw ups or anything, it's different. There's a level of comfort there that you just have with him versus other guests. Yep. And George is that guy with me. George is just a guy that you know I've been doing this with him since the beginning. It's part of the podcast, and I just got comfortable, got too comfortable, and I, I took a nap. Like I took a nap. I sleep a lot too. I took a nap before the podcast today. I mean, <laughs> Sleepy K is great. And then, of course, the way I got it was um, this happened while I was drafting with um, uh, Prospect Jesus. Why am I? Ralph. Ralph Lifshitz. And he, and he loves his 90s rap names. Apparently, he loves 90s rap. And he's like, he, he came up with Sleepy K in a group chat. And then uh, John, MLB, MLB Moving Averages, tweeted out or texted me. I, have to find, I might still have it. 
he made a, he made a special K zero box say Sleepy K on it, and <laughs> and so I ran with it. I was like, dude, that's like I've been called so much worse in my life. Oh yeah, and to honestly, come up with, to honestly get a nickname, so I embraced it. I I bought a jersey this year, got the nickname Sleepy K on it. And I was like, awesome. I'm just embracing it. I've, I've considered doing the Twitter handle, but because it's kind of like people know my Twitter handle now, I'm in that weird. I'm not a big name by any means, but I'm growing my, you know, my presence. Yeah. So I'm in that weird. Like, if I don't do it now, I gotta either commit to just my name or use my my nickname. And I don't know, because CBK is a really good nickname for fantasy baseball. It really is. Like, it's there's so many ways to play off of it, mostly in the sleeper aspect. But yeah, that's it. It's not that great of a story, but I think it's funny that anybody who does this and David will. Uh, well, appreciate it as someone who podcasts that I fell asleep podcasting. It's kind of hard to do, but I did it. I managed no, to it's, it. it's impressive. It's very impressive. I've been tired many times. I never have. And what I pictured is I used to listen to a lot of Howard Stern all, back in the day before I was big into just listening to podcasts all day. Mm-hmm. And there's a clip of his producer, Gary Delabate. And there wasn't video back then, but there was audio, of course. And, you know, they had the producer in the back little room where you could see everything. And all of a sudden you can just hear snoring. Because his head's on his desk and he's snoring into the mic, and I'm, I'm picturing I'm picturing Mike just kind of leaning on his desk, like out cold, until he told the story. But it was good. Yeah, that's good. It was, it, okay. it, it, I just again, I wish I had the desk because honestly, I don't know if it would have happened. But then again, this chair, you're right. I'll be podcasting even with video. But that was that was another thing. I'll say it even better. I forgot. I was laying down at one point. I got like this, like on the couch, <laughs> on the couch. And I was like this with my, with my <laughs> like was just resting on my belly. Just, just sitting here resting. Yeah, that's a recipe and for disaster. Back. I can't hear you. My headset. But yeah, and so that was part of it too. I was, I, I set myself up for failure, knowing good and well I was probably gonna fall asleep. I didn't care. I was like, oh, I got this. One of those. Oh, it's like, it's like driving really tired. You know, you should pull over, but you don't. I, I was doing that, but the difference was I wasn't driving, so I actually fell asleep. You couldn't roll the window down and crank the music up. It was a little, yeah. bit, a little different. And I wasn't gonna drink coffee at one in the morning because I actually wanted true. to sleep after the podcast. Very true, <laughs> but uh, it's awesome. It's a good story. Good laughs. All the fun stuff there, but uh, we'll wrap it up on this one. I always enjoy talking to you, Mike. We'll have to definitely do it again this offseason as we get ready to ramp up because I know you're one of the hardest working dudes out there and you got a lot going on. So let everybody know what you're working on, where they can find you, if you want to give any secrets that you have working on, whatever you want, the floor is yours. I have no idea what I'm supposed to say here because it's October, but I know. <laughs> follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Um, Bases Loaded Podcast is my podcast. I'm supposed to record tonight potentially, but – we're, I guess some fun news for me is like I'm, I just got kind of pre-approved. I'm going to start looking at houses, so I'm actually going to be really busy with that. Nice. Really Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. I know it's like – again, I told you I didn't know what to say here, so I guess I'll announce that. But um, I am going to be helping out with uh, Mike Simeone, uh, SP Schumer's draft kit this year. I, I kind of ran it. I did it last year real quick, like a quick write-up. But this year I'm doing a lot more in-depth analysis and writing up uh, upwards of like probably close to 300 players, which is going to help me out tremendously. Because, I, you know, so I'm starting now. I've started – process now so look out for that and um yeah kind of just hanging out and maybe writing here and there and hopefully fixing all my technical issues because i seem to always screw something up and mike has become one of the uh pretty awesome video guys out there so just keep working an eye on, on that working it's, on it, it thank you it's pretty sweet self-taught basically and it's damn impressive for a, a guy like myself it's very technologically challenged to watch a guy like mike teach himself basically how to do this is to me insanely impressive so i enjoy watching those well done. i appreciate that and I do those little videos, but I, and if you think, oh, I'm tech savvy. I can't get my damn microphone to work half the time, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I can do videos. So one thing at a time, I, gotta, I guess I have to walk. I'm running right now before I can walk. I got to learn to walk again. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. But uh, thanks for joining me today. And uh, we'll definitely do it again, my friend.
Yeah, definitely, man. Thank you for having me. No problem, everybody. Go check him out again on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. I am at BDN Trick. If you get a rate and review on the on iTunes, I would much appreciate it. But until next time, Bench with Bubba episode 314 in the books. Catch you guys later. Yeah.